0: Big Combo's Court, Big Combo Nation. Do they hear us now? Good. (laughs) Come on, Nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 209. That's right. Episode 209 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Actually, you know what? Stop what you're doing. Pause this episode and go rate and review the show right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combos Court and then get right back to it because we have a great one for you. Today's show Leo Biaz of Cowbell Kingdom Podcast joins in a great conversation with Leo. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Leo on Instagram at Cowbell underscore kingdom. That's C O W. B E L L underscore K I N G D O M. You can find me on Instagram at 1 2 combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it.
1: D.O.B.S. of Cowbell Kingdom. Welcome to Combos Court. How are you feeling today?
2: I'm good, bro. I'm tired. I did a podcast, a, a live podcast at a local restaurant yesterday. And it took me so long to edit it. But uh, yeah, man, I heard grinding and excited to be on here with you. It's
1: the restaurant that you're usually recording from, right? I, I hear you talk. I hear the ads. I've been listening. I've been tuning in. Is that the same restaurant or is this another one?
2: Yeah, so that's this was the first uh, in-guest uh, Guest that I had for for the podcast, so technically it's the first one. It's released in about two hours. Um, I did one on Tuesday live uh, with one of my co-hosts, so it's it's exciting times. I mean, it's a new partnership. We're also doing some marketing with uh, for them, and we'll see where it takes us.
1: My guy Rob Fodor, speaks very highly of
2: you, so uh, it's good to have uh, you on the. So- <laughs>
1: I just love him, God. man.
2: He's, yeah, he's the man. He's he's Good. the man. I'm definitely gonna have him on soon, probably next week or something. Most definitely, <laughs> most
1: definitely. All right, so let's talk Kings basketball. Let's talk Kings basketball. Um, I wanted to start with Luca. I know it's not a positive way to start.
2: <laughs> come on, man, come on, dog.
0: <laughs> but uh, do you feel there's a cloud over Kings basketball because of the whole Luca thing?
2: Always, bro. There always will be one until they start winning. Uh, uh, You know, if you're mediocre every single year and you have a guy that's Hall of Fame potential, barring injury, it's tough to really swallow that. No matter what they say, some Kings fans could be super optimistic and say, oh, just get over it, just move on. How do you move on from that? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you move on from that? You can't until you start winning. That's it.
1: Yeah, I mean, when it happened, draft night, I, this guy, Luka, is going to be the best player in this draft. What were your thoughts draft night, though? Like, what were you thinking that night? Were you happy with Bagley? What,
2: what was your thoughts? Well, people who follow me I know that I was super high on Luca two years before. I okay. followed him for a long time. I had a lot of sources out there pretty much tell me, people that I trust, that he was going to be the man. And the day they got the number two pick or they 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 ended up going into the top three and then getting top two it was like oh my gosh it was something that was meant to be right because I knew that Aiden would go one just because of the connection between their owner and and leading up to this, I spoke to the owner's son Rami. he was like man we love Luca blah blah and I was like man this is a good sign. Like they're gonna drop. It's it's obvious to draft Luca, is what a logical person would would ask himself, right? And you know, and then I get somewhat confirmation um, from the Suns owner, and I'm like, oh, perfect. And I was in a good mood. Like our whole team was like, yeah, we're gonna draft Luca. Then I get word three days before the draft, you know, off the record that B- Bagley was gonna be the guy. And literally for the next few days, I was sick to my stomach. Like seriously, I was sick to my stomach. Like I was like, no way, like how? Like, why would they decide this early? It just doesn't make sense, I said. And they and actually they they brought in Wendell Carter Jr. just to ask him rather than work him out, who who I who I think is better than, than Bagley, rather than work him out, they brought him in to ask him about Bagley. Like if I'm a prospect, I feel disrespected. A hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. So, so I. So at this point, I'm like, okay, you have the number two pick. You have the option to work out everybody, and why wouldn't you work out and bring in everybody? So that was extremely confused. It was a confusion thing for me, and I get the fact that Bagley worked out and he technically wanted to be here, but. That's that's not a good enough reason to draft them over not just Luca over Jaron Jackson over Wendell. Oh. Um and, and and there are some rumors that if they that if they would have moved back, they would have liked Wendell. But but the thing is it didn't happen that way. That's revisionary history, right? Like, oh I would have done this, but it's like, okay, well, you had the best big in the draft and Jaron Jackson sitting right there, if that's what you wanted to do. They didn't do that, you know. I like Bagley a lot, it's just, he'll never be Luca. And unfortunately, you'll have to live under that idea for the rest of his career in Sacramento. Now, if he ever does move on and he can stay healthy, I can see him being a productive player. I'm hoping that he somewhat becomes what Sabonis did, you know, averaging 17, 13. I think that's a winning formula now this idea of him averaging like 25 and 15, I'm like, if he's your best player, you're going to be a bad team. So that's how I view Bagley. Hopefully he buys into his role with the Kings. And then that happens and, and they start winning. And yeah, it's going to make the the, the less Kings a little bit more bearable. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: a lot of these teams have the same cloud over their organization. Uh, as good as Trey is, I think they have that same cloud it just is what it is, but we might get back to the Kings, but I wanted to shift to the Pelicans. Bro, when
2: I spoke to Luca when he came for the, what was it, second or third time, I was literally in the locker room asking him questions, and then I stayed after, like, the media scrum, and I showed him the picture of, of a Kings fan who had a customized Luca jersey. <laughs> Bro, I kid you not, like, I'll never forget the of his face. He smiled, and he was just so excited to see that, and then in my head, I'm like, like he legit wanted to be a Sacramento king. Like you got to think about this. This guy grew up idolizing Peja and Vladi, and for those two guys to pass up out of all the euros they've drafted, to pass up on this guy, it made no sense for someone like Vladi's pedigree. Who was all right, so wait, there's there's,
1: he, there's reports that Vladi had some issue with somebody
2: over there. Like, is there any truth to all that? I mean, that has nothing to do with Luca, though. That has to do more with his dad. But Luca, like, and this is me telling you, like, I'm in the locker room with this dude, and he legit just couldn't stop smiling. Like, he said, send that to my PR guy. Why would you want that picture? You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, that meant something to him. And and that's what I'm saying, which goes back to the idea of him idolizing Vlade Divac and Pedro Stadokovic. But for those two guys, European superstars, you know, to pass up on such a great talent made no sense to me whatsoever and it made me sick that day because i was like man like luca legit wanted to be a king and all these reports that servers that his his inner circle his dad didn't want him to be a king that's nothing nothing to do with luca like that's his it's you know it's like your inner circle oh i don't want him or i don't want leo to work for espn i want him to work for fox like i want to work for fox you know what i'm saying so that's really how it is, and I'm I'm trying to paint that picture because that's that's the experience that I had with Luca. So man, just seeing him smile and look at the picture and then say, "Man, text this to my PR." I'm like, you know, like he he didn't have to say that. Obviously, it meant something to him. Like, make no mistake about it. So yeah, that's my story, man. And it's just unfortunate. It's just like, damn, like he was meant to be a king, man. And can you imagine that, Darren Fox and Luca Doncic? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Go ahead, though. Yeah, but uh, no, I have to backpedal a little bit. So what was the issue with Vladi and Lucas' father? This this is all speculation. All I've heard is that he just didn't want to come here because of issues that they had. I What issues? I have no idea. Like, it's, Got you. you don't draft. It's the same thing with Steph Curry. It's the same thing with all the guys who supposedly said, I don't want to be here. Right. Like. Steph didn't want to get drafted by the Warriors. He said, they said, no, we're going to draft you. You know what I'm saying? So if yeah. they wanted to draft you, they could have drafted you. That's just a fact. Like, this ain't the NFL. You're not going to hold out. You're going to play the game of basketball for the team who drafted yeah. you. So uh-huh. that, I, that notion of of Luca of not wanting to be here is, a, is, is just a flat-out lie. It's a lie. Yeah. One, because I experienced it, literally. Uh, two, because, again, you you don't care what guys think. Like if, if you like a guy, you take him, period. Yeah.
1: You mentioned the Warriors, and uh, I've heard your last couple podcasts. I heard you guys mention that people are sleeping on the Warriors, and I'm one of them, man, because they caught lightning in a bottle. They had KD at one point. Guys are coming back from injuries, and I think Klay will come back great, but even if Steph comes back at 95 and Klay comes back at 90, They still don't have the supporting cast. Um, It'll take at least a year to get back to 100. And uh, unless some crazy free agent comes, I don't really see them being contenders this season. Um, Would you argue that?
2: Define contenders. because Legit
1: legit team that could win a championship next year.
2: I think just what they have now. I mean, they got the number two pick. I think they're coming back. I think Clay is coming back at ninety and Steph wasn't oh Steph was a hundred percent. Like Steph. didn't <laughs> no, 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 seriously, seriously. Status didn't want to play. I I know that's for a fact. Uh he's a hundred percent. So book it right now, you know, tell everybody you know, he's a hundred percent. Draymond's a hundred percent. Uh the interesting and the X factor for me is Andrew Wiggins, right? He's had all these opportunities. I'm higher on as, Wiggins
1: at most, me personally.
2: I like sure. him. Sure. And now in this, in this new role as a fourth, fourth or fifth guy potentially, yeah. that's scary. That's scary because he's always as bad as a player that he, as he's been, or not bad, but inefficient player that he's been. I like him in this type of role and I think he can exceed if he buys in. And if he doesn't buy into the Warriors, he ain't gonna buy in anywhere. And if he does buy in as your fourth best player, I'm sorry. Tell me another team who 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 has a guy that's better than Andrew Wiggins as their fourth seed. Think about this Laker team, bro. When you look at this team ten years from now and you ask yourself, who's who's the third best? player on that team and you're gonna be like who yeah yeah kcp and you're like who exactly so andrew wiggins as your fourth best player is is ridiculous to me so to your to your question to answer your question yeah they're a contender
1: if your top two guys are lebron and ad your third guy doesn't have to be I mean, they did have Dwight and Rondo and all those guys could be the third guy on any given night, like KCP, Rondo, Kuzma. They had like so many guys that could fill that third role, right?
2: Yeah, but KCP was the most consistent out of all those guys. No, I'm
1: with you. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. Like,
2: Rondo had two mesmerizing games. The rest were really bad. Like, if you really go back and watch them play, Rondo was terrible in most games, but what a casual fan always remembers is, like, the game, like, which is the last game he he was shooting lights out fact of the matter is go back to his playoffs he had a he he didn't have a great bubble shooting wise I mean but they only remember what they want to remember like KCP was the most consistent on both ends of the floor he brought it every single night and he was their third best player overall for the bubble and the NBA finals and to me again when you look at that and you look at all the things that went well for the Lakers, not taking anything away from them, everything went well for the Lakers. And that team, I'm sorry, that team would not come close to that Warriors team. Uh, that Rockets team that lost to the Warriors would have beaten this Laker team. Like, it's a good team. Like, it's, it's a great team. But uh, when you rank this team amongst the NBA champions, it's towards the bottom of the NBA champions, for sure. Like, the supporting cast was atrocious for the Lakers they just have two really good players and they had an NBA bubble that really helped them out a lot and they had a banged up heat squad and as you know this I mean if you know coach were off the door that team was banged up bro and like Dwight Howard was out here doing some, some some unnecessary type things just uh put it that way yeah
1: yeah no KCP definitely was consistent I mean a lot of people get on him just because of his contract not that the player that he actually is like, that's the thing with him. People always want to talk about money, but they don't actually look at the player. I think that's the big thing when it comes to KCP.
2: Yeah, the, the whole money situation is such a complex issue. It's like here in Sacramento, some Kings fans say, oh, De'Aaron Fox doesn't deserve the max yet. but it's He like, does. Uh, De'Aaron is Fox is a max. max.
1: You know, he it, deserves a max. Absolutely.
2: Right, right, right. It's just, I'm like, but even technically, even if he doesn't deserve the max, someone's going to pay him the max because that's just what the market is. And I always give them the, the house analogy. If this house is worth 500,000 on the market, Hey, guess what? It's worth 500,000 on the market. Like it doesn't matter if you think it's worth 400 or 300 or 200, the house is worth what it is because that's what the market dictates. And if the Kings don't give him a max, Hey, guess what? Somebody else will give him the max. And I understand like he, he hasn't from a production standpoint, hasn't, quote unquote deserved it. So I understand the argument, but you're not paying the guy off for production. You're paying the guy off upside and what they can be in the middle part of their careers. Like that's what guys get paid for at that age when the rookie deals expire. You're not paying them necessarily on what they've done for you yet. It's what are they going to do for me in the next four years? It's why they pay these guys in abundance of money.
1: Yeah. So we're talking De'Aaron Fox. We might as well shift into the Kings, back into the current Kings. What would you like to see them do in this offseason? They're uh they got the twelfth pick overall. What would you like to see them do in the draft? And how would you like to see them build around DeAndre? More three and D. Like what what do you think they need in this draft and in the offseason and in free agency?
2: It's tough, man, because I don't have a good read yet on uh, the new GM and Monty McNair. You know, everything's been virtual you know you haven't been able to talk to them usually we have like a like a lunch like off the record lunch uh with the coaches and with the gms and stuff typically every year and you kind of get a good idea of where their philosophies stand but with all this COVID stuff you know you really haven't had that chance and you know he just got hired he just hired his his team in the front office they ended up keeping luke and a huge reason don't don't never admit it now but Logically speaking, they kept Luke because of the financial situation because they just finished paying Dave Yeager off and they didn't accept the idea that, okay, we would have to pay Luke for three more years plus the new head coach another five to seven million dollars. Like, that's not what the minority owners wanted to do. So they ended up keeping Luke. Can they work it out? Sure. Does Luke have the upside and the potential? To be a good head coach, absolutely. The fact of the matter is, he's not, and he hasn't been in four years that he's had. You know, that one half year with the Warriors is an outlier. So his three years in L.A. is one. And he was kind of, and he was kind
1: of on autopilot
2: when Steve wasn't there. Exactly. Yeah, that's my point. That's my point. So that outlier year, his three years in L.A. and his one year in Sacramento have been really bad. So can he become that coach that we think he can be? Absolutely. Um, will it be in Sacramento? Who knows? Or is he just, or will he just be the guy like a, like a Gentry that technically is a really good lead assistant? Like there are guys who are lead assistants, and there are guys who are head coaches in the NBA, and that's not a bad thing. You know, I, I don't want people to take that as a knock or, or or whatnot, but I just feel like if I had to bet on it. I think he'd be a great great lead assistant and not a head coach. But to answer your question about De'Aaron Fox and how do you build around him, he definitely needs shooter around the guy. Uh, he's in the process of developing a jump shot. Like if De'Aaron Fox has a, a consistent jump shot, he's going to be a top ten player. Like his talent is just so insane. like if you at people who watch him play, I'm obviously played in Sacramento, so not a lot of people watch him play nationally. But this guy's IQ, the game slowed down for him last year. He's just – he's a really good playmaker, a really good leader on the floor now. And it's just that last component of his game, which is can he develop that mid-range shot and then that consistent three-point shot? And then the rest will take care of itself. He's the most dangerous player with the onus in transition. Like, no argument there. Like This guy is elite in transition. Um you know who this yeah, all reminds he's, he's me so really much good, of? This all reminds me so
1: much Ooh. of John John Wall. Elite IQ, elite athleticism. It's the same thing all the exactly. time.
2: Just, he just couldn't – yeah, he, he just couldn't ever develop an actual jump shot, right? But he, he was still really good. Like, he was oh. an all-star. Yeah, he just absolutely. wasn't the best guy. But, but like, we all know that John Wall had the potential to be the best point guard in the game. If he 100%. N- not if he won. Because, yeah, because I, I don't know if he – you know – Guys don't miss shots on purpose, but it's just a matter of him just buckling down and just, you know, working with Rafa Dor to, uh, to fix that broken jump shot.
1: Yeah, and I think even John Morant's a third guy you could add in there. If they
2: exactly. just get that
1: shooting in there, they're the best point guard in the league. And I still think John Rawls is un- underrated, and I think he'll come back real strong. I want to shift back, shift to the Pelicans. Uh, I, I haven't had a chance to talk about Stan Van. On this podcast, so I'd like to talk about it with you. How much of Stan Van Gundy's success do you believe is just the health of Zion? Oh,
2: man, it looked good before the bubble, before the pandemic. You know, I was there uh, during that last ESPN game. Was Kings Pelicans? It was my first time watching Zion up close, and I was like, "Holy moly, this guy looks like a like a linebacker slash defensive tackle, but yet he jumps." You know, fifty nine inches in the air <laughs> and he does some crazy things right right <laughs> um and you know he's really good really really good but again same as uh De'Aaron Fox his IQ is off the charts great feel for the game but he he can't shoot and teams will play you to your deficiencies same with Giannis I mean, there are certain guys like this, like the Giannis's, Dearens, Zion's, that if they do develop a jump shot, it's over. Like, make no mistake about it. But the the, pro- the problem is they that they do have these deficiencies. So uh, teams are going to take advantage of that, and they're going to dare them to shoot. Yeah, well, they have a few games where they – I mean, they're professional basketball players. Yeah, Or they have
1: to become secondary options on championship teams.
2: Or that. Or that. Um, yeah. And again, there was an argument that Giannis could again. He's a two and not a one. But I'm like, bro, it took LeBron years to win the championship. LeBron and, and LeBron, is-
1: LeBron's IQ is so different, though. It, it's just so different than Giannis and the vision. And, so and are you that saying that? The- Jan- are
2: you saying that Giannis is number two?
1: Yeah, because wow. because look, my first of all, he can only score on one level. Second of all, he okay. doesn't have the vision. Yeah, no, 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 no. He makes the right pass. He doesn't have elite vision, though. He makes the right pass. He's gotten better. He makes the right pass, but to be a top guy, you need that vision unless you're some kind of, like, Kawhi-type scorer in the mid-range. Like, you need that vision to be, a, okay. to be a number one guy. So if you're only going downhill and scoring on one level, like, he doesn't even have second box scoring. Like, he can't even score outside of that layup area. It's tough because guys could just wall up on you and do a lot of different things in the playoffs.
2: And he still puts up 30, like –
1: no, no, definitely. That insane deficiency, like he's still
2: that great.
1: He is great. He is great. To be the top guy in a championship team, I think he needs to add that second, second box scoring. Not even three-point shooting. Second box scoring and a mid-range.
2: Or, or, be- an, or, or you just give him an actual point guard. I'm not saying Chris Paul, specifically what, like a Chris Paul, who can help him out in the pick and roll, who is a liable uh or a viable option unlike an Eric Bledsoe and then everything changes like your perception of him changes because now he's your number one they're going to the finals but because he's had such a terrible point guard for so long people think he's not number one Same with LeBron James like people stopped thinking he was number one until he went to Miami and he joined two other superstars well, so. well,
1: well, well don't say people because I was saying this people just started saying it now but I see what you're saying though but Chris Paul... Okay, so it, but, but what do you guys to say would, when he makes the final? No, no. Next well, year. We, well, we have to see it, but also that would be a huge adjustment for him. So that, I think I think that adjustment period in itself would take a year with him and Chris Paul. Like, you're totally changing the dynamics of that team.
2: Mm, it's not taking it, a year. <laughs> I mean... I mean it, it, it's it, taking, it,
1: like, a month or two. His whole game is going
2: downhill with the basketball in his hands. But now you have point who can set you up even nicer in the pick and roll where if they do cheat on you on the roll hey guess what you have them just knock it down so go ahead and cheat you don't have that with Eric Bluff, so it's it's not a tough adjustment for one of the best players in the league to adjust to another great player like this who just meshes perfectly with him like it's it's not tough at all like at all
1: I don't know I think like if it was Chris Paul and AD I would agree with you because A.D. has such high off-ball value. Giannis' whole career, he's had the ball in his hands. Like, I remember watching them play five years ago, he was going downhill in transition with the basketball in his
2: hands. Uh, also, this whole A.D. argument, bro, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, A.D.'s a 32% three-point shooter. Like, he's not that much better. Like, Giannis, can, Giannis has already proven that he can hit three-point shots. It's not like he's, like, a guy that... I mean, sure, leave him open, but he's able to hit that shot more more times than not. Like it's not, it's 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 just ridiculous. It's it, just it, it's, it's about AD, it's... AD. doesn't come close to to, to Giannis, bro. AD is like a Walmart Giannis.
1: Stop it. No, no, he has a lot more off ball value than Giannis, though. Like he could get quick hitters. He's a better lob threat. He could get in the mid range one <laughs> dribble pull ups
2: <laughs> and he, he has is a better, better lob threat. He's not a better lob, lob he just plays with LeBron James, who can set him up for the lobs. What does Giannis play with that can set him up for a lob? That's my point. If you put a a, a viable point guard where you're allowed to play in that type of role, how do you know he's a better lob threat? There's just no way.
1: So you don't think AD is better at getting quick hitters and has more off-ball value than Giannis?
2: Yeah, he's a better shooter, but he's not that much of a better shooter. Like, he, he's a well, – statistically, he's a 32% three-point shooter. That keeps you I mean, that's, honest. That keeps that's you bad. honest, though,
1: right? That keeps you honest.
2: That keeps the defense somewhat honest. Giannis is 30%, though. So, it's, two, it's, it's 2% difference. Giannis shot more and, – and, 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 and Giannis shot more threes for your information. No, no. And it's not all about three-point shooting because Jan AD doesn't have to
1: get all the way to the rim to score. He got little floaters. He got hooks. He got touch shots. All that, all that stuff matters so much. They just
2: play differently, though. Like, yeah,
1: that's true. I agree.
2: But Jans can do all that, but that's not his role. His role is much bigger than what AD's role is, and that's what people don't really understand. Is like, okay, you make AD do all this, and and you tell me where that leads to uh, a non-playoff team like the Pelicans, because he'll never be a number one. Now, he is a number two who who was blessed enough to play with LeBron James. He put LeBron James and and Giannis, and are gonna win a championship. That simple. That's true. That's true.
1: I'm not mad at it. I think there is some skill stuff that AD is head and shoulders above Giannis. And as a number one, though, I would agree with you. Giannis is probably better as a number one. I would agree with that. Because he could create off the dribble better. And he's better downhill. And he's better with the basketball in his hands.
2: I would agree with that. Yeah, I just think that, you know, recency bias may may think, or some people may think that AD is better, but it's like, dude, like Giannis is just a different type of beast. And he's so close to to really breaking this. And again, he's 25 years old. Like it's the second time as an MVP already. He's he's only going to get better. And he, unlike unlike ad he's not, not injury prone every time ad falls bro i'm like oh my god the season's over like this dude acts like he got shot by it. <laughs> and it's crazy because in the back of your mind is like if ad goes down the lakers all of a sudden go from being a number one seed to like a number 12 seed like they're not like their supporting cast isn't that good and that's the thing how that team was constructed i'm like if one of those two guys go down it's a wrap no
1: i i see what you're saying. But when you say recency bias and people, I just I, I want to be removed from that because I was saying AD over Giannis for months. But I see what you're saying, though. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> Great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Uh, Leo, let them know where they can find you on social media and everywhere else.
2: You guys can follow me uh, on Instagram, uh, two accounts, Basketball Zone Official, which is more of the NBA account. And then we have Cowboy Kingdom, which you guys can follow at Cowboy Kingdom. You guys can also subscribe to our CK podcast where we make you think about things, you know, stats and facts to back up every statement that we make. Spotify, CK podcast with Leo Bias. Uh And yeah, man, whenever you want me on, we'll have a nice conversation. Uh, it's always fun to go back and forth, man. That's what makes sports so much fun. And that's why we love sports.
1: You're always welcome back on the show. Uh, thanks again. To- <laughs> Thanks again and talk
2: soon, Leo. All right, brother. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to Combo's Court. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And big shouts to Leo for joining in. We appreciate you. Also, man, rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And be on the lookout for episode 210. Combo out.